<laughs> Happy Wednesday, beautiful souls. Uh, good people, good people, great people. I trust you are having a productive week, as am I. Welcome to Ready, Set, Real Estate. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette, also known as Super Agent, active licensed California broker, professional real estate trainer, trainer award-winning author, real estate advocate, activist, on and on and on, creator and founder of so many cool things that you should check out more at LA Super Agent on all social media platforms. Shout out to our radio podcast listeners on all platforms. My favorite currently Spotify because even though you get audio, you do have the option of the video. So it's really cool because they transcode this show to video bite size for your viewing pleasure if you so choose. Now, today's episode, we will be discussing foreclosures. I'm seeing uh, some foreclosures pop up, more so I see more probates and uh, different scenarios are coming up in the market. And I was reading a report that it said foreclosures were up by 70% um, as opposed to a year ago. And of course that you may say, wow, that is a lot. No, in context, not necessarily. And the reason being is because of the COVID or pandemic protections that were put into play for homeowners, those foreclosures were put on pause. So now that that is no longer the case, we do see a rollout of what is called a notice of default, then the notice of trustee sale. And then if there is no successful winning bidder, then the bank then takes that property back and essentially they are the buyer of that property. But we're going to delve more into that shortly. Before we do that, I definitely want to take a moment and pause and switch my screen here. That's what I need to do because something's weird on my monitor. Okay. So I'm going to have to, you see what I'm doing here? It's, I'm going to have to change that. So give me a moment. I'm going to switch my screen. But I definitely want to send you and let you know that today's show is sponsored by Real Estate 100, the Teen and Millennial Investment Blueprint. Grab your copy available online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and any online retailer. Shout out to author and co-author Anthony Lee of Philly, Philly realtor, uh, investor, doing amazing things and working in collaboration with local schools out there in Philly and just spreading the knowledge, right? Uh, also, we had a uh, a book order, a large book order that came from Inspire Me of uh, Greater Minds. I think, forgive me, I'll, I'll get the name. Inspire Me, Ins Greater Minds of Philadelphia. I think that's what it is. And if you're tuning in, go ahead and drop the caption or the correct name down below. But we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you again for your support of Real Estate 100, the Teen and Millennial Investment Blueprint. All right, we'll be right back after this sponsor break. All right. I'm good now. Feeling much better about that. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you again for supporting your copy uh, or supporting by grabbing your copy of Real Estate 100, the Teen and Millennial Investments Blueprint. Woohoo! Again, remember that is part two, part two to Real Estate 100, the Teen Home Buying Experience. All right, show disclaimers. Lisa is not giving you legal advice. I'm not giving you tax advice. Uh, my titles are, though, I am a pricing strategy advisor, short sales and foreclosure certified, and a seniors real estate specialist. Those are industry designations, means that I have the experience, taken the training, earned the certifications to give information uh, on the topics that I speak on, okay? Let me know if you're here. Go ahead and press one. Press one down below in the chat. Let's me know you're here. Press two. Two lets me know you shared it. And of course, if you need to reach me regarding any specific scenarios relating to what you or someone may know, you can definitely send my contact um, by way and my number's on the screen. I'll say it for those of you who are tuning in on the radio podcast. That's 323-488-3265. You can call and text 323-488-3265. Thanks again. And uh, let's jump into it. So I wanted to talk, uh, we're talking uh, today about foreclosures, right? So does the bank lose money on foreclosures? Today's segment, I definitely want to keep short and sweet because I've, I've got a tight schedule. Uh, but I'm noticing what's happening is there's this misinformation. Can we say misinformation? Hashtag misinformation in the comments below. There is misinformation that the bank owns our home. And that's coming from people who are saying things like, um, well, you know, you have to pay the bank money and, you know, you're paying them a loan, so you don't own it anyway. That's not true. It's not true. In fact, it's similar to when you purchase a car and you finance that vehicle. Does the lien holder own your vehicle? No. It says we're using this asset as collateral in the event that you do not pay us. So if you don't pay, what happens? They are reserving the right to repossess that collateral in exchange to pay what is owed. So let's do some math here. You owe the bank $200,000. You have been making monthly payments. You've agreed to a 30-year mortgage. That's 360 payments over time. So let's say you've paid uh, like 15 years of that 30 years. Life happens. A pandemic happens. You lose your job. And you're able to exercise the forbearance plan option. So in exercising your forbearance plan, which we had discussed before, ooh, let me see if I still have my notes from that last one. Oh, forbearance. Do we? Mm, not on this one. We talked about, okay, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. I just was like, wait, we talked about this. So definitely check out the archives in the past. We talked about uh, forbearance options. And what are some options in terms of home ownership retention? I think it's important that if you're working with someone that they also speak not just home ownership acquisition, but they also speak and work with you with home ownership retention. And that means helping you keep that house. I will suggest, which is a great guide, and if you don't have it and you're a property owner, soon to be property owner, 
send me an email and grab your Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Homeowner's Guide to Success. It's down here, uh, uh, scrolling down here, but email Lisa at lasuperagent.com for your free CFPB Homeowner's Guide to Success. Now, the reason why I want you to grab that guide is because the segment that I did uh, in December, I believe it was from November, no, it was December, I did a four-part or five-part series on options to homeownership retention before it goes through the entire full-blown foreclosure process. So what is the foreclosure? The foreclosure is a litigation, right? It is a legal action against you for not paying or also called default. When you default on a property or your mortgage loan or note, it's important to understand what that process is. Now, if you're in a state like California, then we don't go through the whole judiciary process because it's already embedded in the note that you sign that the lender can take legal action and go through a series, right? So the process is, is they have to attempt to reach out to you and say, what's going on? We noticed you missed your payments. In fact, they reach out to you 60 days when you miss your payment. 30 day, you may have quote unquote a grace. 60 days, they say, okay, wait a minute. Um, you haven't paid us in two months. And they reach out and they will, they may be quicker than most lenders and they will file a notice of default. I put your notice and they will indicate what their attempts were in contacting you to bring your account current. So they'll send a notice of default, also known as NOD. Drop that in the chat below, in the comments below. They'll send an NOD. What is it? NOD, notice of default. You know me. So you follow along, great. So they will send a notice of default, NOD, and that's putting you on notice. We notice you have not paid us and we need you to let us know what's going on. And when you call them, so I'm going to go through this process before we get to the final part of the foreclosure, because again, I want to debunk and dispel misinformation that, oh, well, the bank owns your home anyway. And why this is important is because of this very question that we seek to answer on today's segment. Does the bank lose money on foreclosures? Some of you may know the answer already. If you do, I want to know. I want to hear from you. Send in, the, uh, send in your comments, right? Does the bank lose money on foreclosures? So during the notice of default period, and that's usually done, right? So 60 to 90 days, they file a notice of default and they are putting you on notice. And they're also doing a public record which is why oftentimes if you've experienced this, you will get <laughs> investors and agents come out the woodworks. We can help you, right? We can help you. And this is where I find people get into sticky situations because that's when the wholesalers come and they do assignment of contracts where they say or purporting to buy your house and then they're flipping your that contract to someone else. You would reach out, you'll, you'll be contacted or solicited by tons, I mean, hundreds, easily 300 agents 
that are coming after you to say, "Uh oh, we notice you're in trouble. Let us help. Let us help. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Let us help. Let's let us help. Let us help your say us uh, uh, sell your home." And you do also receive a letter from the from the lender that says, "Hey, if you're experiencing hardship, let us know." so that we can send a pot packet. In fact, it's required. They are required to send you a packet and they're required to send you information for local HUD housing counseling agencies. Or guess what? Did you know in California, you are not to be charged if you are experiencing or going through a pre-foreclosure process or litigation. So, that whole thing about, you know, pay us a thousand dollars and we'll stop your foreclosure, we'll help you, is actually not legal in this state. May you should check your state. Always, I always defer. Learn the laws of the land for your respective states. In California, it is against our laws to charge someone who's exhibiting or experiencing pre-foreclosure. Helpful? Go ahead and press the thumbs up. Let me know. Say yes, Lisa. That was helpful. <laughs> okay. So now that you've uh, now that the lenders communicated with you and they've sent you a notice and they said to you, "All right, let us know what's going on." Now here's what you don't want to do. Major tip. Major tip. What you don't want to do is ignore the lender notice. Do not ignore the notices because guess what? That notice is their record saying, we attempted to contact you. You didn't respond. We attempted to work it out with you. You never called. They're documenting it. So you want to be sure that you reach out to the lender and let them know what your situation is. What they want to know is, what is your intent? What is your intent? And in fact, the letter they send you says, let us know. Check the box. Do you intend to stay in your home? Do, do you live in your home? Do you intend to keep your home? Do you intend to sell the home? Has the primary uh, breadwinner or borrower uh, experienced a hardship? Have they experienced an illness? You know, what's going on? They, they literally ask you these questions because they are attempting and they've got to satisfy these uh, this attempt with you before they move forward with the foreclosure action. Now, guess what happens? The minute you respond, thank you, thank you, Ava, Miss Adams, the minute you respond to the, the notice of default or the lender's inquiry about what's going on as to why you have not paid, they now have to stop that process and review your response and get back to you in 30 days. You respond, it stops the clock, 30 days, okay? And then now you're in communication with the lender. Then you say, well, I'm experiencing a hardship, right? That's when they send to you a packet that says, well, let's review your finances at this time. What is your given situation at this time and see if we can do a forbearance plan or we can do some other alternative options. Again, check out the series that I did. I did a four or five part series on your options to home ownership retention. It's on the channel. And so let's say you go through that motion 
and then you find that the, the forbearance plan is a good option. I'm literally walking you through what people have done during this pandemic. Your forbearance plan may only be available to you for 12 months with extensions, six month extension or three month extension, four month extension. But let's say now you've been on a forbearance plan for 18 months. How long has COVID lasted? How long has this pandemic shutdown lasted? We're in year uh, year three of it, I believe, right? 2021, 22. Yeah, so we're in two, two years of pandemic craziness that we've all been impacted by and affected some more harsh than others some you know they got pandemic rich right COVID helped them and then there are others that are really experiencing some tremendous hardships and loss so this conversation is more so for those of you who are experiencing the hardship who know someone who's experiencing the hardship and loss and needs support what are their options because at this time it's really hard to feel like you can climb out of your situation and think that they're and see the tunnel or the light at the end of the tunnel. I assure you, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just getting you to move through that, right? Because the key thing is, even through foreclosures, guess what? You can still re-enter into home ownership in your later time, later years, when your finances um, are mended, right? Or you recuperate from those losses. We'll talk a little, we'll, we'll close out the show with those tips of how you can uh, re-enter the market after a foreclosure and still be considered a first-time home buyer. What? Yes. Stay tuned. Okay. So now you've taken a forbearance plan and guess what? Forbearance plan is expiring. Uh, pay attention to those forbearance for forbearance plan agreements. Some of those agreements says they want the money due that they've paused in full. So then you can say, well, I don't have the 17,000. I don't have the 10,000. I don't have the 12,000. I don't have the 25,000 that uh, I haven't been paying the last 18 months. And then they will attempt to see if they can add it to the, pr the principal, right? And see if your situation is, is suited or fitted for them to re or do what is called a modification, a loan modification of your mortgage. Now, if you don't qualify for the loan modification, and sometimes people do not, and the reason being is because they have so much debt. They have so much debt that they just don't see. There's no way possible that I can afford this new mortgage after all of this. And so guess what happens? Sometimes people shut down. They shut down. I, I come across so many people uh, that are experiencing these situations and they stop communicating with the lender. And now what's happening? They're now sitting in the house. They are not paying on the mortgage. And now it's the next phase. So while the lender had time that they paused to negotiate with you, the clock starts. Even if you get it, even if you're in a modification period of forbearance, guess what? you are on a forbearance plan for says for a short time or that modification time excuse me that during that period if it's for six months and you miss a payment it is it is a default of that agreement and the lender can proceed with foreclosure action so when they do that again notice of default goes out and then after the notice of default goes out 
then you have what is called a notice of trustee sale. The NOT is filed. NOT stands for what? The notice of trustees sale. That's when you know things have just gotten serious. The NOT has been filed. It's pasted on your door. It's published in a newspaper. It's now public record. There's no secret. The secret is out. For anyone looking for for a steal or a deal or looking to get into um, or purchase auctioned properties or bank-owned properties, well, the lender has now put everybody on notice that they are selling this property and they can expect that this property is going to be sold at the trustee sale, right? And I've done this in the past where I've showed you an example of the notice of trustee sale where it stipulates where the sale is happening by the fountain in front, of, in front of the court. Bring your cashier's check, your water bottle, your beach chairs, because that's where it's going down. It does. It gets sold right on the, on the steps. The, the, the court clerk comes out with a list of properties. In fact, there's a website that you can check it out. If you want to know the website in which you can register and check those properties that are going up um, for uh, auction, notice of default, or notice of foreclosure, or excuse me, notice of trustee that are in the pre-foreclosure stage, you want that website, then reach out to me. You can send me a text and, and text the code or send me an email, text or email um, REO, right? If you want that. Because I do check that. I, I use a couple systems. And the reason is because I want to see what the trustee sale date is to see if it's anything I can do to assist that person. Because what happens at that time, at least if you work with a, a broker professional, you pick a real estate professional work with you, what happens is you get to negotiate the move out. When does possession happen for the new buyer on your terms? When it's done through the foreclosure action, you're not even part of the conversation anymore. So again, it behooves you to have the conversation and make sure that you are working with a professional that's experienced with negotiating with the lenders or the beneficiaries of these sales. Uh, in fact, we just were able to successfully stop a notice of trustee sale on one of my transactions. And my clients were already working with me prior to getting the, excuse me, they started working with me uh, right around the time they received their first notice of default and at which time we started the process to start to have the conversation little bit trickier and difficult when you also have to deal with probate meaning the owner has passed away which is what i'm noticing so this is why i'm having more of these probate trust conversations get your living trust done probate trust conversations is because life does happen and as these owners are aging up and passing away we've got to have our affairs in order and so we're not putting stress on the people that we are, that are loved ones, right? Our loved ones. So we're not putting stress on them. We should be having the conversations of what the plan is. What is the exit? If you don't want anyone to live in your house, then set up the exit so that it's not just going through a foreclosure process, right? Um, there's a way you can set that up, that the house is to be sold and, and leave it at that. Um, so... As we go through the uh, notice of trustee uh, sale date, it's posted. You as the owner may feel like 
throwing your hands up in the air. You feel like you, you're not part of the conversation because you stopped the conversation. You're not paying. You don't have the funds. You don't qualify for private, you know, private money, hard money, whatever the scenario is. And then now you are exhibiting the foreclosure process. So here's where it gets uh, tricky and important for you to pay attention. Pay attention. Listen up. Who owns your home? Is it you or the bank at this time? The bank has said you have defaulted. You you haven't paid us in now months, right? And some of these banks, in fact, uh, you know, wait for during the financial housing crisis. They there were so many people that were in default. There weren't enough of the bank uh, staff to file foreclosure notices properly pre foreclosure. And you can look up that whole hoopla. I just got. It got to auto signing and robo signing where they were just stamping signatures and pushing those foreclosures through. What a mess. It was a mess. There were just so many. And so I'm asking you at this stage in the game, if you don't pay on your house, the bank has filed the bank or lender. And even if it's not a bank or lender and you do a private money with someone who who lent you money, they, they lend you money or you borrowed from them and they used a 401k or they use their SEP IRA or they use their um, some other financial investment or they use money in their trust and gave you a private loan. They have grounds, if their paperwork is done correctly, they have grounds to foreclose on you as well because they're saying they're lending you this money and using the house as collateral in the event you don't pay them back. Same theory, same concept with cars. You need to finance the car. The lender says, if you don't pay us back, we're going to repossess the car and sell it to recover our losses because you didn't pay us. I want to get that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reiterate that a couple of times because now I'm going to ask you again in that process, who owns the property? You or the bank, you or the lender? Who owns the property? Right. If you answered you, correct. You own the property still. Okay. The bank is going through their measures to protect their interests. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. They are protecting their interests. So now that they have filed a notice of trustee sale date and they've given you a heads up and they said this property is being sold in March 29, 2022. And you have up until this time to recoup, right? Pay for uh, what you owe. Do it by this date. Send a wire. Make sure it's there so that we can stop the sale in time. Now, if none of that happens and your property is sold and you owe $200,000 and they sell the property, it gets bid up because even at 200, where are you going to buy anything for $200,000 in California? Sheesh, right? So it gets bid up and let's say they sell it for 500,000, 500,000, it gets bid up at the auction and then the bank is, uh, has successfully sold the property as collateral to pay the $200,000 that you owe is the bank losing money on the foreclosure. Not in this scenario, because they were owed $200,000, correct? 
and they sold it for 500. What happens to the $300,000? That's what I really want to get to is because of the misinformation that the bank owns our home, the homeowner doesn't realize that they have $300,000 that they should go recoup. They've got to file a claim. It's sitting there at the court registry's office, right? Unfortunately, people are unaware of the process because the bank can only recover what is owed plus attorney fees and costs to do the foreclosure process, litigation, and the auction. That's all they can recover. So that $300,000 surplus is what we call is for the owner. Do they know that? Did you know that? Did you know that? Maybe now you think about it differently because now you realize, oh, I am the owner still. The bank is only recovering what is owed to them and using the house as collateral to pay what is owed to them. I will pause there because this, this is a lot more in, in, involved. But Avis says, no, you didn't know that, right? <laughs> I'm glad. So now you know it's different. It's, it's, we should be thinking it, thinking about it differently. Thinking about it differently. The bank doesn't lose. They're not losing. And then if it's an FHA or if it's an FHA or VA or a government sponsored enterprise that has insured your loan, ever heard of first time home buyer programs, FHA programs, all these different Mac and um, all these various programs that are out there. If they're government insured, then what the bank does is they file a claim, an insurance claim and says, hey, this person defaulted on their loan. They owe us money. And that's how we get HUD properties because the government then pays the insured claim, a percentage of the outstanding loan balance. They take the house back as the collateral at which time they then release it um, to the, the, the market through the HUD home store process. We talked about purchasing HUD homes. That's an example of what is called bank owned or REO properties. You can check out HUDHomestore.gov, HUDHomestore.gov. We talked about that earlier this, well, this year as well. I walked you through the steps on learning how to prep, uh, purchase HUD homes. But more importantly, we've got to dispel this misconception that the bank owns our home when they foreclose on it and you think all is lost, you walk away, right? This is why there are people who solicit you. If you've gone through this, there are people who solicit you and say, well, for 8% or 10% or 12%, we can help you go claim that money. If you don't claim that money over a period of time, this they turn it over to the state and where does it go to the state comptroller's office the state comptroller's office they turn that to the state comptroller's office and what happens is is they then have unclaimed property at the state comptroller's office 
when you go to the site for your state comptroller's office, go to unclaimed property, type in your name, type in as much detail so you can identify yourself. And it will list that you have some money sitting with the state that is unclaimed, okay? So very important, very important for you to know. Now, uh, Ms. Adams has a great question or a great point. I suggest you definitely reach out so we can consult, um, so we can have a strategy meet about your scenario. Because time, time is um, important as well in terms of when it happened for you and making sure that um, you still have access to that. Uh, you mentioned something about a 1099C. Again, got to understand what were your circumstances and the reason being is because I said in that scenario, the bank did not lose money because the, the mortgage was less than what it was sold for. Now, if they have to take it back, there's a whole nother process. And essentially, during the Obama administration, people, uh, there was a big push, depending on your state, but there was a big push for not making homeowners required for paying taxes on the difference. So if you were during the financial crisis and you owed more, that means you were underwater and essentially it's either foreclosure or a short sale. If you owed more than what you um, what the home is worth, it is definitely a different process and uh, conversation, which I'll continue this next week on another episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. But I will, again, send my number my number here for those of you who are new to me and welcome. I'm so glad you're tuning in. And we've just concluded episode 155, but we have tons of content on our channel. Make sure you subscribe to either our Facebook page, our radio podcast anywhere, and YouTube at LA Super Agent. Feel free to reach out to me, 323-488-3265. Again, that's 323-488-3265. Make sure you send me an email. If you do want access to that REO list, the Notice of Trustees, I can send that out to you. Text me, uh, REO, and I'll make sure I send that out to you. All right, we'll see you next week on another information-packed episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. Bye.